0: please help spread the message of frequency specific microcurrent by clicking on the like button. You can subscribe to us on YouTube or any podcast app. If you have any questions, please leave them in the comments. You can find the podcast transcription at frequenciespecific.com as well as more information about frequency specific microcurrent. I'm so glad that we have this every Wednesday. (laughs) We don't have to fly up here. (laughs) No, but it's one of those things where Sometimes running around and I'm at the clinic and I'm like, oh my god, I have to go back a Zoom call. And then it's no, this is the perfect time to just sit, pause, connect. And the word pause is something that I want to talk a little bit about today, that okay. it's okay to hit the pause button.
1: It's essential to hit the pause button.
0: Yes. For so many different factors. Sometimes you need to do that with the patient. Just pause. Just stop. If something's not working, it's okay to just stop. Refer them out. Get a different set of eyes on it. Write down the history sometimes, especially for the really complicated histories.
1: One of the things we've done when I open the clinic in Troutdale, instead of spending an hour and a half on a history... The patients are asked to come in with a written linear timeline, dates like year, just January 2010.
2: Yeah.
1: On the left. And then what happened on the right? Yeah. Okay, fallen ro- tree across the road. I drove through it. Excuse me? Yeah, there were four of us in the car, and the only one that got hurt was the one in the front that wasn't wearing a seatbelt, but I was fine. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then you go down, and there was another. You got rear-ended in 2010. What kind of car were you driving? I don't know, like a a Toyota Celica. What hit you? Oh, a Ford F-150 pickup. Huh. How fast was he going? I don't know. I was at a stop sign. I had my foot on the brake and he thought the light was green. And so probably 35 or 40. And so the written timeline was, oh, that's right. I saw this patient after last Wednesday. And then I get to 2010, long time ago, 13 years ago. And she had a little bladder leakage. And so the OBGYN said, we'll put some mesh in to do, because you've got your bladder is prolapsing through your abdominal wall. At which point I asked her to put her hand on the desk and raise her little finger. There was that. Nobody had ever checked her for ehlers demos before they put the mesh in and They used mesh that had been recalled the day of the surgery she had an infection, temperature of 103. The blood work done a month after had neutrophils at about 7.8 and they should be less than 7 if I'm recalling correctly. Anyway, what was really fun is that when I got to that point in the history, my language got a little colorful and I went, what the, f-? and <laughs> she said, I have been waiting for a doctor to do that. Yeah. And then I read further on in the history, like the number of years that doctors ignored her complaints of abdominal pain, didn't do CBC to look at the white count, didn't do a palpation, told her it was in her head, told her there was nothing wrong, at which point I went, what the actual? And she said, thank you. It was very validating. And so she had really horrible neck pain. And I did a sensory exam and reflexes. And I said, have you had an MRI of your neck? Yeah, they said it was normal. Can you find that MRI? Not normal. No, like way not normal. The lower two branches of the trigeminal nerve were C2 was numb. Lower two branches were hypersensitive. So for those of you that don't remember, four, four, that loop of the trigeminal nerve goes down as far as C4. So if you have a 4-5 disc, it will irritate the lower two branches of the trigeminal nerve. The upper branch will be normal. These two branches will be odd. C2 was numb. Back of her head was icky. So I didn't touch her belly the first day because that area was so emotionally charged, sensitized, I didn't know if I was going to have to do intervaginal work. I didn't know where the scar tissue was. So I just did supine cervical practicum and then treated the C2 nerve root. And her pain level went from a seven or an eight down to a one. She was all happy. The next day we worked on the scar tissue in her abdomen, and I used the frequencies for infection, they didn't do much because in 2018, so 10 years after the first mesh was put in, another doctor finally looked at her abdomen, looked at her blood work and said, this has to come out now. She went into the emergency room with severe abdominal pain, went to a doctor, had surgery like four days later. I treated for infection. Not much happened. And then I just started palpating for where the anatomy should be. So over on the left side, just inside your pelvis, there should be something that feels like a sausage casing full of oatmeal. That's your sigmoid colon. And I put my hand down there and went, it's not here. There's no thing here. So I felt over and the sigmoid was like midline. Hmm. Went on the right side, the cecum and the descending colon should be in the pelvis. Put your hand down there. No sausage casing,
2: no oatmeal, no nothing. Gone.
1: It too was midline. You had to go three and a half centimeters towards the middle to find all that stuff. So I spent an hour taking parts scar tissue on her abdomen. And it all happened because patients are asked to come in with this timeline. Then the second day she brought in the MRI results, the written MRI report that her GP told her was fine. She has a disc bulge at 5'6", touching the thecal sac. She has a disc bulge at 6'7", touching the cord from the front and the set degeneration that compresses it from the back. So she has mild to moderate spinal cord stenosis, which explained the tight quadriceps and leg muscles that she thought were coming from her abdomen.
0: Super similar story that I had with a patient that I've seen four times or so, getting just very mild progress, but it was the same thing asking for imaging, I've had it, it was normal. And then you treat it based on that phrase, it was normal until you know better, because it never not works. There was disc bulging and mild stenosis 10 years ago. I can't imagine what it is now. So this is what I mean about hitting the pause button, and saying, I'm going to stop doing this because I think we need to investigate further and get a clearer picture of what's happening. It's really not hitting the pause button. It's actually launching them into a better direction because you're getting a clearer picture of what's going on. So it really bothers me when you look at the report and this isn't normal. This wasn't fine. There are things that you should have been aware of because 10 years ago, you could have done corrective exercise. You could have had different therapy to help stop that in its tracks. And it really bothers me when I hear people saying, oh, it's what a back should look like in someone's 50s. M- maybe, but there are things that you can do to stop the progression. Don't just accept it.
1: How do you read that says mild to moderate stenosis at six seven, and then tell the patient that it's normal?
0: I'm not sure. I've lived this week really frustrated.
1: And when everybody that's listening has taken the core, when I talk about do reflexes, due sensation, she had hyperactive patellar reflexes. Her C7, her triceps reflexes were hyperactive, which meant there was cord inflammation above C7. C5 was hyperactive. Cord inflammation above the level of the reflex means that the descending inhibitory reflex is, or impulses are slowed. They can't get to the reflex in time to make it a plus two. It's a two or a three. It's hyper, it's too brisk. So you can tell Sensory exam, the reflexes will tell you what the MRI should look like. And when the sensory and reflexes don't match what's in the MRI that's read as normal, huh? And I think for FSM practitioners, it's different because it changes what we do. Yeah, yeah. On her, I had to run 81 and 10 increase descending inhibition to get her leg muscles to relax, get her trunk to relax. Right. Can't take a deep breath. Her trunk was all because of the abdominal adhesions and the loss of descending inhibition. So maybe that's why FSM people pay more attention.
0: For sure. I'm thinking back to the days before. As a manual therapist, you have to be mindful of disc herniations, you you take off splinting or muscle guarding that is there to protect the spine and that patient's going to get worse. But yeah, it it does change. It changes things because we want to be specific and we want to dial in the treatment as fast as possible. So whereas something might've been in the back of my mind before, it's definitely at the forefront of my mind because I want all the information.
1: It just makes you better. That's what I love the most about FSM practitioners is they want to be better. We have a tool that lets us be better and, as you say, makes us be better. but an an awful lot of what we pay attention to, nobody else pays attention to it because they can't do anything about it. Yeah, this lady had multiple ankle sprains, a bladder prolapse at the age of 30-something, mm-hmm. that's not normal. But nobody had ever checked her for hypermobility, and she was a gymnast. Nobody ever checked her because they can't do anything about it. And because we have a way of approaching hypermobility or eros Danlos, we go looking for
2: it.
0: I see frequency as, because I used to just think about the limbic system and the midbrain, just go to the corner, just have a timeout. But it's almost like that with every tissue. It's almost like you have to treat every tissue and every pathology like a screaming toddler and getting down to their level and saying, I see you. I know you're freaking out. Just give me a minute. It's going to be okay. This is safe. And they're like, okay. And it's literally what I feel like the conversation that I'm having with every question that I ask, with every exam that you do, every palpation that you do, every range of motion that you do, you're just trying to get as specific as possible and seeing everything. And again, that goes back to not mashing things with your hands. You're asking questions.
1: And because of all of the abdominal trauma, I ran concussion in Vegas on one machine and I had one precision care, custom care running from neck to feet, running 40 and 89 for a solid hour before I ever touched her abdomen. I had one quiet, the spinal cord because the abdominal pain had been so intense for so long. Those pain pathways are sensitized. Yeah. And they're, everything's amplified. So I ran quiet the pathways in the spinal cord, but quiet the limbic system, quiet the midbrain. Yeah. Before I
0: ever touched your abdomen. Yeah. Then you touch the abdomen. Because treating someone's abdomen, even though I treat the abdomen first before I treat the low back, it almost does seem backwards because it is a very vulnerable area to be treated people will automatically tense up, which gives me a very organic segue to a study. And I should have popped it open. I was talking to a colleague friend of mine and we're talking about muscle splinting or muscle guarding, which is a protective mechanism, right. especially in the multifidi will splint bilaterally to stabilize and protect a segment in the back, especially over top of a traumatized <laughs> disc. However, muscle splinting and guarding has less to do with pain and more to do with anxiety. There is a study showing that. I believe it was through NIH. And I'll find it and I'll put it up. I'm going to tag it into the sports course. Because when you think about compensatory movements, it doesn't necessarily happen with pain. It's the anxiety attached to that movement pattern that causes the splinting to happen or the guarding to happen. So yes, it can happen protecting a disc. But, like I said, when you're treating the abdomen, just think about what happens when you put your hands towards someone's abdomen. They're going to tighten up right away. Like it's the anxiety, it's the apprehension, it's the fear. So, this is what I keep talking about, safe.
1: And I'm not sure the anxiety is conscious. It's not like I feel anxiety. No. It's that my midbrain, the way you phrase it in the sports, and I've stolen and put in the core, is afraid to move it. It's a combination because of what we can do with FSM. You think about the pathway sensory cortex. Everything goes through the limbic system. Is it safe? Is it safe? And then the cerebellum is the one that says, mm, nope, not, not going to move that. Nope, it can't. So it's a pathway. And that anxiety is physical, not emotional. Right. The patient doesn't say, I'm afraid to have you move my shoulder or I'm afraid to have you touch my abdomen or whatever. The brain says, this will not move. Yeah. And because we can quiet down the brain, I think it makes us requires us to be more considerate, respectful, respectful. So you lay your hand. We are going to redo the differential diagnosis video and probably the abdominal adhesions video. Mm -hmm. And it's have your hand flat and just the dips.
0: Yeah. The, communication that happens to slowing things down with FSM instead of jumping on tissue. It is explaining, I'm going to put my hand here. I'm going to press here and I'm going to do this. And you probably won't feel much, but I'm just going to feel what I w- I'll say the fascia because that's what I'm now after all these years, I feel like that's what I'm reading first, that initial layer of smush or where it bounces back and it's done, right? And so the explanation sometimes can really just because like you were saying, it's not conscious, but sometimes making it a conscious awareness of what's happening can help that loop because you're explaining it that it is safe. And there may be a bit of a back and forth. This is not safe, yes, it is. This is not safe, yes, it is. But that's not I, safe. And then the in this
1: section where we talk about working on muscles. The number of times I have in all caps, wait, run the frequency. When it loosens by one to two millimeters, follow it down. And it's like it, and that's the pause button is follow the frequencies down.
0: Yes. I'm so glad that you have that pause and I'm going to borrow from you. See, we share. Yes. I, I do find because... The sports course is so heavy with manual therapists and PTs and DCs that are used to just going, pressing, forcing, forcing, and like like I said, I had treatment for my hip and it was terrible because he wasn't waiting and I wasn't ready. And the more he forced, the more I tightened up. And this absolutely was a conscious muscle guarding, splinting. And I, I'm like, we have to stop because you are never going to access that deep tissue when I'm like this. And I don't know how to help you. Yeah. And in the cold, do worse.
1: we do the, the supine cervical practicum. Yeah. And the people that have, that's painful, the poor things. The people that have the most trouble are the physical therapists, the osteopaths, and the chiropractors that are used to getting in there and forcing that tissue to do it. And it's stop. The frequencies do the work. And wait. Waiting. And this is the rule. No matter where you're working. Yes. Put your fingers on it you're treating inflammation, toxicity in the liver. Put your hands on the abdomen, wait, and find out what the frequencies tell you. It's why we do the supine cervical practicum first. Number one, it's 50 to 60% of the patients that walk in anybody's door. You do the supine cervical practicum and you're going to make somebody feel better. But that practicum specifically is the one where you learn that this frequency combination only does this. Right. And that does that. And that does that. And they get to the bottom. And so we've done the ligaments, the nerves, the facets, we get to the discs the muscles are all pudding. I say, okay, now we're going to do 91 hardening in the fascia. For those of you that are fashionistas and hardening the fascia does absolutely zero, nothing because we've taken care of the underlying drivers that make the fascia tight to protect it. The weird thing is we do increase secretions in the fascia, which you think would make it fluffier and it gets smushier.
0: Yeah. That's confusing. It used to be confusing until I saw this video. I believe it's called, it, it's strolling under the skin. Right. And that to me, when I see, whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, that's why it works. Because you just see the water molecules going through little droplets, the, uh, this little lattice. When you think of anything that's dehydrated, right? It's just, there is, let me take a little lateral move here. There is this woman that I used to follow who did these recipe hacks all the time. Busy mom, I've got athletes at home. I was all about this and she would use beef jerky and cut it up and put it in these Mason jars that had noodles and water and seasoning. And then you just heat it up and then the dehydrated beef jerky would hydrate and you had some extra protein in these jars. That was my, Soup. So I think about like the it band and high fascia areas as beef jerky. And when you hydrate it, it's obviously not as hard. It's more fluffy. Yeah. It's sinkable. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back again to the safety and something too. So I was going through some old notes that I I had from a, a business meeting about advertising and using Yelp reviews and all this. And before it, using Yelp and Google reviews in the medical field, we didn't see it, but now everybody's leaving a review and people need, there's an eight to one ratio of for every one bad experience, you need eight positive ones to negate the bad. And I wonder what that ratio is with movement sometimes, because like you said, you oh. have the subconscious of going, that's gonna hurt. and It's no, it's not. Oh, it doesn't hurt. And I know it's gotta be probably closer to 800 to one. And again, the the faster we can override that and make that midbrain safe and confident and even more so than excited to move and joyful to move because then you build on that trajectory. That's a, yeah, it is. And when I've got a frozen shoulder patient right now that came in at, at maybe 20 degrees And now we are at a hundred and something like beautiful, but it's this last little piece that is like the hardest and it's like losing the last five pounds. So you're right. Like closing that gap of, okay, it's safe, but are you excited to move it is a whole different.
1: Yeah. And explaining to a patient So there's two pieces of it. One, so they understand the process cognitively, but then because we can manipulate the nervous system directly to change the anxiety or the fear. Apprehension. Yeah. And so this patient came in, her first visit was Thursday, her pain level she was really sensitive because she said it hurts a six, but I mind it an eight. So when they mind it an eight, they're centrally sensitized. So by Friday at three o'clock, her pain level is a zero. We had to teach her to walk again, all of that. And then I had the conversation. I said, Okay, when somebody's been in pain for a long time and they have a history like yours where people have ignored them, you've had all of these bad things, but nobody treated you well. There are some emotional stages that people go through that are characteristic that I didn't understand 30 years ago. Mm. And it may be different for you. It's like grieving when somebody dies. Nobody does it the same way. But first you're really happy. And then you get angry. You are now allowed to feel angry with the people that mistreated you. Then there's a period of being afraid that it's going to come back. That's why we treat them twice a week for four to six weeks so that you can get them through the afraid it's going to come back. Then usually at some point they do grieving over what they lost. Yeah. When I only have somebody for two sessions, I go right to that. I'm a terrible therapist. I just, Tell them what's coming and let them see it. Yeah. And I said, you've had basically 15 years of
2: pain, life-altering stuff. And
1: if we're lucky, your pain's a zero now. Some piece of it's gonna come back. But yeah. Look at what you learned. You learned patience. You learned empathy. You learned whatever. And with any luck, you get to get rid of the pain and keep the wisdom. And so it's like showing somebody a map and say, you're here and you're going to end up here. But this is... The way the road looks.
0: And I think that's such an important part of anybody's journey is when they have the mm-hmm. courage to better themselves and to find somebody to help them with their healing process, but to have that person to give them a plan or to give them a prequel of what it's going to look like, because I think so much of their journey that's led them up into finding us has been blinded and every turn is, but they've been hit with something else. And so I think it is such a relief and it is that moment of when you say, you know what, it it could get worse before it gets better. And this might happen, but these are all stepping stones that we're going to look out for and we'll adjust and we're working together and we're going to get you over here. And I think sometimes, yeah, just that explanation and that validation of, Yeah. People have missed all these things and it's not in your head and really sorry. And
1: if you feel angry, that is completely reasonable. And it's all because they feel guilty about being angry at some doctor that told them everything was going to be fine. And then the doctor did something that didn't work out well. And so you give them permission to be where they are. Yes. And we have 40 and 89 and increased secretions in the vagus to help us do that. Yeah. It's so nice to have a tool.
0: For sure. And when I go back to disc herniations and, and bulges for a minute, they can be very tricky injuries to rehabilitate because of all the guarding and splinting and fear that goes into it. So part of it is, yes, taking off tension and treating hypertonicity and muscles, but at the same time, it's activating muscles to strengthen and to stabilize and not just in the spine, but in the core in the abdomen, it's getting people who are quad dominant to start using their hamstrings again. So it's all these little pieces that you have to look at, shine that light on and get all these toddlers that were having independent temper tantrums to play together in the sandbox. And that's not easy.
1: It's easier for us than it is for most people.
0: It is because it's like you give all the toddlers lollipops and then they're just happy in the sandbox together. Like, thank you very much. You <laughs> fist <If> it.
1: <laughs> it's like taking a thorn out of the lion's paw.
0: Yes. And you know what? That's so funny that you say that. I had a patient say that yesterday because they had heel pain, but it was actually tib anterior. And once I got at it, they're like, oh, it's like the. Thorn in the paw, and I'm like, I love that analogy. Yeah. Let's get at some questions or comments before oh. we go too far, if there are any. I see that there are some. I leave. <laughs> All right. We oh some. dear. L four through S one fused. C two, th- C two through T one fused, but not what? Fused. What? Yeah. Okay. Am I reading that right? Yes.
1: T two to T one fused, but non painful. Awaiting oh, surgery to fuse L one L three to L one.
2: Wow. Okay, so
1: L four to S one are fused. When you walk, your pelvis does this, sure. which makes your low back do this. If they fuse L4, 5, and S1, all of that rotation is going to happen, called shearing, is going to happen at L3. So that's going to create a disc bulge, probably stenosis at 3. So now they're going to fuse L2 and L3, bone and bone it's another conversation. The disc at L3 is degenerated because it's been doing this ever since they fused 4, 5, and S1. So there's two things. One is treat the disc and the facets at 2, 3. But the most important thing is actually to get the thoracic spine to move. The cervical spine doesn't move. The lumbar spine will pretty soon not move at all. And I know this because the PTs that dealt with my low back and my neck, their number one priority was to get the adhesions out of the nerve roots and get the thoracic spine to rotate. Something's gonna move when you walk and recently discovered an aortic aneurysm possibly from high blood pressure due to the pain from the degenerative disc disease, just a wild guess. I would check for hypermobility. The aorta has got a very dense basement membrane of connective tissue I'm not sure how old this person is, Michelle, but in order for all of these levels to have been fused, they had to be injured in such a way that they moved too much, which points me, just to find out, it may not be there, but it it makes me think of connective tissue, Ehlers-Danlos, hypermobility. So this is fused. That's fused. How is the vagus doing? Treat
2: 124 and
1: 77. And the high blood pressure, the other thing you need to check for is sleep apnea. Number one cause of hypertension besides pain is sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. Wow, undiagnosed autoimmune. Okay, this is the, exactly how I follow the breadcrumbs. So, this part of the story, all the fusions, then the aortic aneurysm, that's it, you at least need to check for hypermobility or historic hypermobility. Is it possible to have an autoimmune condition? If the vagus nerve is working, patients that are hypermobile have vagus nerves that don't work. That's a given because there's little pieces of tissue. The vagus picks it up, tells the brain, Hey, something's wrong. The brain says to the vagus, okay, we don't need you right now. So you go to sleep. All three of these things, the aneurysm, the autoimmune disease, and all of the fusions make me think about the vagus and hypermobility. D- d- does that make sense to anybody? Yeah. Okay. Good. Because at this stage, it's too late to fix it. When she was thirty, or he, yeah. maybe. But with all these fusions, they're probably in their sixties. He said fifty-five. Yeah. But you can get the immune. You can get the vagus working, quiet down the midbrain. It depends on how big the aneurysm is. Just 124 and 77, born and broken in the connective tissue, and the advances of frequency for the aorta. And do a sleep study. Does that make
2: sense?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, look at all the questions. We
0: have to move along. Yes. So now urinating two times in a row in a way. I don't see what it is. I just see what the question is because I didn't really understand, understand. it. They're so st- they're urinating and then they stand up and they still feel their bladder hasn't emptied.
1: So they have to go back and empty it.
0: I think that's how I'm reading it.
1: That actually makes sense because the adhesions in the C-section area are adhesions to the bladder.
0: Yeah.
1: So now the bladder instead of it, it makes sense.
0: After are urinating.
1: Oh, leaking after urinating. That's, I'd say that the the C-section adhesions inhibited pelvic floor strengthening. Yeah. So that's going to be the next step is getting the pelvic floor stronger. Yes. Kegels and whatever.
0: Yeah. Yes. FSM for Epstein-Barr virus. Symptoms keep reappearing after eight months. They've tried standard herpes, including post herpes as well. Drained lymph, liver support, also done concussion in Vegas. Symptoms which continue are swollen glands, rashes, sore muscles, headaches. FSM helped a little bit, but at present, the only thing that it's helping is the client is working out four to five days a week, swims in the cold ocean one time per week. He says this is what reduces the length and intensity of the episodes and at least reduces the swollen glands when those symptoms arise.
1: I treat the immune system and I do blood work and find out what the white count differential is. Order a CBC with differentials and find out what the immune system is doing. Sore muscles, headaches...
2: Might also treat virus,
1: so herpes is is a virus, right? So treat the virus frequencies in the vagus, maybe, or at least for the headaches, swollen glands, rashes, rashes are vagal as well.
2: Immune support, vitamin C IVs, if you can. Why swimming
1: in the cold ocean makes it better? That would put a lot of stress up. Working out. Yeah, Working go.
0: Out and, and swimming. Anytime you're exercising and you're increasing circulation is going to help saunas, and
1: increase down. temperature, and kill the virus.
0: Maybe cold swimming turns on Vegas.
1: It's a stressor. So I'm not sure how that works. Cold reduces the swollen glands. Interesting. Derek, any good luck with that one? Infectious disease is like my worst subject. it's why we have Jen Sosnowski and David Muznick back so often because it's my skill set. Any helpless suggestions for anger coming from eighty eight year old uh, with dementia, the dementia last year and the year before the anger comes from the limbic system and from inflammation in the brain. so turn on the vagus because that increases nitric oxide, it increases circulation, it reduces glutamate, reduces inflammation. And what happens in dementia is all of us have a limbic system that gets angry, but we have a cortex that keeps mouth shut and controls the expression of that irritability or irritation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't the 970s, because this isn't the emotion of anger. This is inflammation in the brain. Does that make sense?
0: It does, again, it's going back to not the surface of the symptom. but yeah. The driver is. The cause. Yeah.
1: And dementia is inflammation in the brain. That section. So I'm working on the advanced slides today. And there's that section where I created the protocol for dementia for Alzheimer's based on the frequencies we have and what the science says about the progression of Alzheimer's from inflammation to necrosis and plaque.
2: And then
1: I was going to send Roger Billica's neurotransmitter slides to a a friend of mine who is interested in and has been around in the psychoneuropharmacology, fibromyalgia world for 20 years. And I read through the 2016 version of Roger Billica's neurotransmitter, Molecules of Behavior. I don't know that I watched it, the day that he gave it but the 2016 version has this whole section at the end that made me order two or three supplements i wasn't taking hmm.
0: and it's brilliant and people can access that how
1: so yeah they can either uh, purchase it individually at the website or get the buddy that's included in the fsm buddy plus subscription yeah yeah And the Buddy Plus is for your phone, but if you purchase it from Frequency Specific as a separate item, you get the slides.
0: And And that's, that's, I think, the important part for Roger's presentation.
1: I Um, go back and reread them at least twice a year. And for some reason, I didn't stop at dopamine this time. I kept going for another 40 slides. But in 16, We hadn't started treating the vagus yet. Right. And so it's not part of the neurotransmitter workshop and reducing glutamate, Mm -hmm. increasing serotonin, the vagus increases serotonin, reduces glutamate. And when you reduce glutamate, you increase GABA. And it's so cool. Yes. Yeah. So I modified the slides just a little bit. Sorry, Roger, if you're listening.
0: No, because we didn't know what we didn't know.
1: Yeah. And then I was still afraid of treating the Vegas.
0: Yeah, I think you just, we needed to respect the Vegas and which we all do. Yes.
1: Once you see it, you can't ever unsee it.
0: No. I know that is a true story. So I had a couple quotes that I wanted to say at the end, because I wasn't sure where today was going to take us. I never really know. (laughs) Sometimes I have a plan and now I'm learning to be more adaptable, but the one I'm going to choose to close with is healing is a matter of time, but it is sometimes also a matter of opportunity. Oh, amen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And one of the things I say to patients is people don't find us by mistake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's just a good tie-in to the patients that were told your MRI is fine. And no, it, it wasn't then, most certainly is not going to be now. So this is an opportunity to heal with time, but now to gain a clearer picture and to create a better map or path forward.
2: I have a friend who
1: said that he started using a CPAP last October. He said, I've sleep apnea. I said, when did you get your sleep study? He said, 10 years ago. And I wasn't shown the results of the sleep study. The doctor that read the results at the VA just said, you shouldn't sleep on your back. That's all he said. The patient has hypertension that requires two or three medications. Anxiety, depression, fatigue, all of that. And he recently, like last uh, August or September, asked for his records and saw the sleep study that was done 10 years ago. And he was moderate to severe 10 years ago. And it's like the MRI report. I think... Maybe one of our goals is to teach patients to be better self-advocates.
0: I've been finding that sometimes they do need that cheerleader, right? Where I'm just like, you have every right to fight for another study, fight for more imaging, change your primary care provider. That is a choice that you get to have. And that's going to listen to you.
1: Yes. And they're out there. We just have to find them.
0: Yeah. yeah, creating a nice little bank of people that I can, go see it feels you. good. I do too, because I, I don't have to fix it, but I know somebody that can, and that gives me just as much joy, if not more. Exactly.
1: Okay. I like that part. It's okay. four o'clock already. Yeah. Where'd the dog go? I'm
0: at my feet. You want to say hi to Carol? Yep. come say hi to Carol.
1: What's her name? Zuri, short for Zurich. Yes. Is that the one that's, had dinner with her head in my lap I saw him, and I got to your silver lamb
0: yes yeah he's here
1: too we have to
0: keep Ellie out of here because too distracting yes yes there's that all right everybody we will see you next week bye the frequency specific microcurrent podcast has been produced by frequency specific seminars for entertainment educational and information purposes only the information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice do not create any type of po- doctor patient relationship ...unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.